to be a part of that. Thank you so much for all you do, Brother Scotty, and our worship team. Um, man, that's just good stuff. I think you ought to be able to enjoy church and not just endure church. How about you? And I'm thankful when the presence and power of God is real among his people. And uh, we can just lift up Jesus in a powerful way. Take your Bibles, turn with me please to Joshua chapter number 3. Joshua chapter 3. And we're going to look at all 17 verses. And then I'm going to we're going to preach through all 17. Don't worry, don't get excited. But we are going to read through all uh, 17 verses. Um, good to see these Bibles. and Good to hear these pages turning this morning. I'm a firm believer that if you'll bring your Bible to church, you'll get a great deal more out of the service than if you don't bring it. I think it's hard, well I know it's hard, to get the Word of God in your heart if you don't have the Word of God in your hand. And so I'm asking you to follow along with your pastor. Listen, make sure what I'm telling you is the truth. The truth I'm giving to you is not what I think or what somebody else says, and it don't come from Time Magazine or William Shakespeare or nothing like that. I want you to make sure it comes straight from your blessed Bible, the truth of the Word, of God's Word. And so um, look with me in Joshua chapter number 3, and if I were to entitle my message this morning, it would be Crossing Rivers of Difficulty to the Land of Opportunity. Look what it says, Joshua 3 verse 1. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Everybody say this morning, go after it. Watch what else. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the, the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. You've never been this way before. And the Bible says that you ought to keep your eyes on the ark, so you'll know which way to travel. Then he says this. He says, verse 5, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves the morrow, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant, and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant, and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, whom they, that they may know, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you. Now how many of you believe that the living God is among us? Amen. That he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and even the Mosquitoites because... Nobody likes the mosquito bites, amen? Then he said in verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. And therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above. And they shall stand up on a heap. Now, how many of you are thankful this morning we serve the God who can stack water up? The Bible says the waters of the river 
are going to stand on a heap. They're going to be stacked up. Now, if you think you can do that, just go home and try it. But the only one I know that's able to do that is my Jesus. The God of heaven and earth. The sovereign God of the universe. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people and as they that bear the Ark were coming to Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth all its banks at the time of harvest. Don't miss that. The river's at flood stage. But look what God does. Verse 16. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap just like God said they were going to. Very far from the city of Adam, and that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea and the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed overnight, uh, over right against Jericho. And watch what it says in verse 17. I love this. And the priests that bear the ark of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed, passed clean over Jordan. If you believe God's word this morning, say amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we again love you and thank you for who you are. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Without your presence and power, nothing we do can ever be effective. Lord, I can preach truth, but Holy Spirit, I understand today that only you can impart truth. And I'm asking that you do just that um, among these people. That you impart your truth directly to their heart so that we might apply it to our lives and be what you've called us to be. Father, show us what it means to cross rivers of difficulty and enter into a land of opportunity. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. Now, first thing that I want to talk to you about this morning before we actually get into our text is um, how we know to rightly divide the word of truth. If you're studying the scriptures in your daily quiet time or you're in a Sunday school class or you're in a service just like this one or you're listening to a preacher on the radio, whatever the case may be, anytime you hear, you read, or you study the Word of God, there are three questions that you and I need to ask ourselves and answer if we're going to know that we're rightly dividing the Word of Truth. First of all, we need to ask ourselves, what did it mean then when it was written? What did it mean to those people uh, when God inspired his men to write it down? Then we need to ask ourselves, what's it mean now? What's it mean in today's time? And then number three, we need to ask and answer, what does it mean to me? Now we need to answer that question because how many of you believe this morning that God's word is real and relevant for us today? It's a living word. Now, when I say it's a living word, I don't mean that God's word is continually being added to because we have the complete revelation that God has given us right here in our precious Bible. But I want you to know, when I say God's word is living, that means it's relevant for your life today. How many of you know, fathers, God's word is relevant for you? How many of you know, husbands, God's word is relevant for you? Mamas, God's word is relevant for you. Wives, God's word is relevant for you. Church members, God's word is relevant for you. So we must ask ourselves, what does it mean to me? How does it apply to my life? And as we study through these scriptures this morning, I want you to ask and answer those three questions. Now, the first thing that I want you to notice is who they are following. Who they are following. 
The Bible says in Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 1 that Joshua rose up early and all the nation of Israel followed after him toward the Jordan River. So it's Joshua they're following according to Joshua 3 and 1. Then he says again in verse number 7, the Lord spoke to Joshua and said this, Today I'm going to begin to magnify thee in the sight of all the people so that all of them may know that as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. Wow. So it's Joshua who God has ordained to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Can you say amen to that? Now you Bible students know up to this point, Moses was the leader of the nation of Israel and God used Moses to redeem the nation of Israel from their bondage in Egypt. By God's power and through the blood, the people were set free in Egypt. Can you say amen to that? Now you ought to say amen to that, especially if you're a child of God this morning. Because that is a perfect representation of what God has done in our lives today. By God's power, through the blood of the Lamb, we've been set free from the bondage of sin. By God's power and through the blood of the Lamb, the sin that once had a stronghold and a stranglehold on my life, I have been set free of by God's precious, amazing grace. And so for that this morning, I'm very thankful. How about you? So, again, God's Word speaks to us today. Can you say amen? Now, they're following Joshua. They used to follow Moses. Not only did God use Moses to bring them out of Egypt, but he used Moses to lead them through the wilderness. And they experienced some great times in their past. I mean some mountaintop experiences. If you don't believe me, you go back and study your Bibles. And I'm going to give you some scriptures to look up later. I'm not going to go over there this morning, but I want you to go and check them out in your quiet time this week. In the book of Exodus chapter number 15, you're going to find that just as God had delivered the children of Israel from Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea, they were walking in that desert climate and their throats got dry and their mouths got parched and they got thirsty and they needed something to drink. And the Bible says they came to a place called Marah. Now Marah means bitter. And let me tell you why they called it Marah or bitter. Because the spring they found there was bitter water. And so what did God do? God, by his power and through the leadership of Moses, he said, Moses, I'm going to show you a tree. And when I show you the tree that I'm going to show you, I want you to take that tree and cast it into the water, and those bitter waters are going to be made sweet. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. God provided his children water in the midst of a desert. You go on and find in Exodus chapter 16 that the people not only got thirsty, but they got hungry. Can you say amen? And as they were, they're probably good Baptists, just like us around here. They like to eat all the time, just like we like to eat all the time. And uh, they were walking through the desert there, and their stomachs began to rumble. They needed something to eat. And they, how many of you know in that day, you couldn't just stop off by the local McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell and pick you up something fast to eat? If they were going to be fed, it's going to have to be God that done the feeding. And so what did God do by his power? Moses prayed, and the Bible says that God rained down manna from heaven. Wow. Psalm 78, I preached on it last week. The Bible says that men ate angels' food. Mere men ate from the table of heaven. <laughs> All by the power of God. Now, a lot, there's a lot of discussion on what manna is and what it's not. All the word says uh, manna in the Hebrew is a round thing. That's what it means. We don't know exactly what manna is. Now, again, people's got their differing opinions on what manna is. I believe manna is chocolate and biscuits. That's got to be angel food. Amen. God rained down some chocolate and biscuits right there in the desert, and everybody enjoyed themselves. Sounds like heaven's food to me. How about you? 
If it don't sound like heaven's food to you, you never ate my mama's chocolate and biscuit, amen? <laughs> I'm just saying God took care of his people. God, by his power, became their provider. Wow. Now then, not only was God by his power their provider, but he's also their protector. You go and read in Exodus chapter 17, the Amalekites came there among the children of Israel and they were going to kill them out in the desert. And the Bible says that God, Moses told Joshua, he said, Joshua, I want you to fight with the armies of Israel down in the valley with the Amalekites and I'm going up on the mountain. He said, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to take the rod of God that he give me the same rod God used to split the Red Sea and to lead the children of Israel. I'm going to take that rod, stretch it out over the valley, and guess what happened? As Moses stretched out the rod over the valley, uh, the, the children of Israel began to win the battle. They were victorious in their fight. But as Moses got tired and he began to let the rod down, praise God, what happened? They began to lose in the valley. So all that was happening in the valley was determined by what was happening on the mountain. As Moses stretched out the rod and lifted up his hands unto the Lord, praise God, down in the valley, the victory was being won. When he let it down, they began to lose. So what did Aaron and Hur do? Aaron and Hur got around Moses and they held up his hands so that he could hold up the rod of God and the people could be victorious in the valley. I'm telling you, they had some mountaintop experiences. Good things were happening. God was providing for his people. God was protecting his people. God was doing among his people what only he could do. That was their past. Now, they had some mountaintop experience, some high times, but they also had some low times. There were times that the people would murmur against Moses and murmur, Moses would murmur against the people. There were times that um, the people would get mad at God and just to be honest, there were a time or two God got mad at the people. Amen. Good times and bad times, but through it all, they learned to trust the Lord. Now, that's what it meant for them people then. What's it mean to us now? Do y'all believe we can look back in our past in the, five, in the last five years? That's all I can look at, look at with you. But in the last five years, I'll tell you what I've seen. I've seen God do a work that only he could do. I've seen God save souls. I've seen God grow our church. I've seen great things happen right here at Mount Zion. We've experienced God and his power and presence in this place. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Listen, without God's power, without God's presence, nobody's going to get saved. Families ain't going to be put back together. Listen, addictions ain't going to be broken. None of that is going to happen without the power of God. And I'm glad we've experienced God's power. That is our past, and I'm thankful for our past. I look back and see what God has done and where he's brought us from. But folks, let me say something to you. God don't just want to work in yesterday. He wants to work in today, and he's got a fantastic plan for tomorrow. You need to know that. You need to trust that. Because he told Joshua, he said, you ain't been this way before, but I'm about to bring you to a place and do things in your life and in the people's lives like I've never done before by my power. And I believe with absolutely everything in me, God wants to do a work right here in this body of believers like never before. I truly do. We need to notice who the people were following, but we also need to know what they are following. The Bible says in um, Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 3 that they are to follow the ark. The Ark of the Covenant, when it passes by, they are to follow it, to remove themselves from their place and follow after the Ark. 
Now, what is the ark? Well, the ark is a piece of holy furniture. Really what it is, it's a box that God instructed his people to make. It's about four foot long, about two foot wide, and about two foot deep. Now, this ark represents the presence and power of God among his people. And therefore, because it represents the presence and power of God among his people, it is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that this morning and believe that this morning? Now listen, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 23, the angel Gabriel came and he spoke to uh, Joseph in a dream. And he said, Joseph, Mary the virgin, Mary the virgin, Mary the virgin is about to have a son. God's going to do something that only he can do. Can you say amen? And he said, when, you, when Mary has this son, you're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So if the ark is a type of Christ, listen, that means it represents the presence and power of God among the people because Jesus was God incarnate in the flesh. You say, well, brothers, well, that's what it means then, but what's it mean now? Well, what does it mean now? Every believer, when you got saved, your sins were forgiven, you were baptized into the body of Christ. Listen to me. Your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life, but you were also indwelled by the precious Holy Spirit. And now Jesus lives in the believer in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the presence of God, the power of God among the people of God. The ark is certainly a type of Christ. Not only because of uh, it is the presence of God among the people, but also because of what it contains. It contains three things. First of all, the ark contains the Ten Commandments. Now, how many of you know the Ten Commandments represent the righteousness of God? It shows us how righteous and how holy God is. It shows us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Now, how many of you understand the, the Ten Commandments shows us how righteous God is, how holy God is, and it shows us how unholy and how unrighteous we are? There's nothing wrong with the law, but there's a whole lot wrong with Israel. And so I need the grace of God. And guess what? You need the grace of God. And I've got good news for you. God's grace is available for us all. Praise the Lord. So the Ten Commandments represent the righteousness of God. How does that speak of Christ? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21, He hath made Him, God the Father, hath made God the Son to be sin who knew no sin so that we might be called the righteousness of God in Him. That means Jesus who had absolutely no sin, who was born perfect, who lived perfect, who died perfect, went to the grave and overcame death, hailing the grave on our behalf, and now all who trust in Him can be born again. Why? Because Jesus is the righteous sacrifice that God has provided, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Amen. The Ten Commandments speak of the righteousness of God or the perfection of Christ. But there's something else in the box. There's Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron was the high priest and he had a rod that he led, his, led the people with. That rod was nothing more than a dead stick. But by the power of God, it began to have a new life. It began to bud. <laughs> now what does that speak of concerning Jesus? Well, if the Ten Commandments speaks of his righteousness, Aaron's rod speaks of his resurrection. How many know Jesus died on the cross? The Bible says that he cried out, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost, and he was dead, just like Aaron's stick. And then they put him in a grave, praise God. But on the third day, new signs of life appeared, and he rose up from the grave, and now all who trust in him can have victory over death, hell, and the grave itself. So if the Ten Commandments speaks of God's righteousness, the righteousness of Christ or his perfection, 
Aaron's rod speaks of the resurrection and his power. Power over death, hell, and the grave. But there's something else in the box. There's a bowl of manna. A golden bowl of manna. Now listen. <laughs> you say, brothers, does that mean there's chocolate and biscuits in the ark? Don't take it too far. I, I don't want to get sacrilegious on you. I mean, I think it may say it somewhere in Leviticus, but I'm not sure. But there is a golden bowl of manna. What was the manna? Manna was what God supplied in the wilderness so that they could continue on their journey. It gave them supply and sustenance, what they needed to get to where God wanted them to be. What does that mean for Christ? How does that speak of Jesus? Well, listen to me. If the Ten Commandments speaks of his righteousness or his perfection, and the Aaron's rod speaks of his resurrection or his power, then guess what? The manna speaks of his provision, his supply for his people. Let me tell you what we need, Mount Zion. We need Jesus. We don't just need plans and programs. We need the power of Jesus. Listen to me now. We don't just need buildings. We need Jesus. I'm going to tell you, without Jesus, we won't need a building. We need Jesus. That's what they are following. They are to follow Christ. Amen. Now, point number one. I got three of them. I'm done. Number one, we must pursue Jesus. We must follow him. How do we do that? How do we follow Christ? Well, it begins, we follow him in salvation. And let me say something to you, Mount Zion. There was a time in my life when the Holy Spirit of God began to convict my heart. He began to show me just how lost and undone, hopeless and helpless I was in the free pardon of sin. I began to see just how much I needed the grace of God. Has that ever happened to you? When the Holy Spirit of God began convicting you to the point that you knew you couldn't fix yourself, me too. Me too. Guess what I decided to do? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have. I followed him in salvation. Listen, I placed my faith in Christ and was born again in the family of God. And not long after that, the Lord began dealing with my heart about preaching the gospel, about uh, surrendering to the call to the ministry. And that wasn't something I wanted to do. That wasn't something I had planned to do. As a matter of fact, I ran just as far as I could from the Lord to keep from doing it. Let me say something to you. Maybe this is for somebody, but I want you to get a hold of it. Listen, there's no sense in running. If you're here today and you feel the call to preach, you feel the call to the mission field, if you know God spoke to your heart, let me tell you something, wherever you go, there God is. Quit running. Quit running. And so after I followed Jesus in salvation, listen, I followed him in service. And I said, okay, Lord, if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to do. And I want to tell you something. I have experienced peace and purpose and joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I'm so thankful I decided to follow Jesus. The Lord called me to preach and gave me a great church. I was down at Union Chapel Baptist Church for nine years. And the Lord blessed us and I loved them and they loved me and I had no plans of ever leaving. But God spoke to my heart and told me it was time to go. And God gave me an opportunity to be your pastor. 
And I said, Lord, if that's what you want, I'm going to follow you. And praise Jesus, I'm so thankful I have. Don't you know I love you? I praise God for you. I thank God for you every day. I'm praying for you. You pray for your pastor. I am so glad I've decided to follow Jesus. The Lord keeps leading me. And as he keeps leading, I'm going to keep following. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Where's a, somebody give me a book. I'm going to sing to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I ain't going to sing to you. That certainly wouldn't be a blessing to nobody. Y'all don't need that in your life for sure. Can somebody find that for me? I thought I had the page. I forgot it. My goodness. No, I ain't going to sing. I'm going to read it. Y'all go ahead and find it. Y'all what y'all waiting on, ain't it? What is it? 285. 285. That's closed. That's at 275. 285. Listen to this. Take up thy cross and follow me, I heard my master say. I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. He drew me closer to his side and I sought his will to know. And in that will, I now abide. Wherever he leads, I'll go. It may be through the shadows dim, and it may. Or o'er the stormy sea, it may. I take my cross and follow him. Wherever he leadeth, I'll go. My heart, my life, my all I bring to Christ who loves me so. He is my master, Lord and King. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Folks, we must follow Jesus. If we want God's blessing, we must follow Jesus. Let me say something to you. If you want to be successful individually in your walk with Christ, you follow Jesus. If you want to be successful, listen, as a mom or a dad, just keep following Jesus. You want to be as successful as a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, just keep following Him. You want to be successful as a Sunday school teacher, just keep following Jesus. You want to be successful as a prayer warrior, just keep following Jesus. You want to be successful as a church member, and I hope you do. If you don't, something's wrong. Just keep following Jesus. Individually, just keep following Jesus. You want to be victorious in your walk with Christ? Just keep following Jesus. Just keep following Him. What He tells you to do, do it. Where He tells you to go, go. If He tells you to wait, wait. If He tells you to stay, stay, but follow Jesus. Follow Jesus, my friend. Listen, collectively, as a body of Christ, we want to be successful. Guess what we got to do? We got to keep following Jesus. We got to keep pursuing Him. Amen? Are y'all getting this? Well, say amen then. My goodness. Help me out a little bit. Y'all screaming at that ball game yesterday. Kill, kill. Blood makes the grass grow. Well, if you can scream for mama, why can't you say amen in church? Lord, have mercy. You hearing me? I'm screaming too. Don't get me wrong. I'm... It's all right. Enjoy yourself. Don't be dead to hammer in the church service either. So follow him. Pursue Christ. That's what he says in verse 3. He says, when you see the ark of the Lord pass by, you get up and go after it. You follow it. Follow Jesus. Pursue him. But we also must perceive him. It says, when you see the ark. When you see the ark. When you see the ark of the coming of the Lord your God. When you see Jesus. When you perceive him. 
And he also tells us in verse 4 how we perceive Jesus. Look. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. We're, we're, we're about to plow some new ground. We're about to enter into a season when we're going to have to trust Jesus and follow Jesus. And we're certainly going to need uh, to pursue him and perceive him. Amen. We're about to build a building and we're about to enter into a, 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 a brand new time, a place we ain't been before. So, folks, I think this is right on cue for us. And so he says, there need to be a space of, 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 of about 2,000 cubits. That's about a half a mile. That's a long ways. Now, why is that? Well, I think it's because he wants everybody to see it. There were about 3 million people that's going to cross the Jordan in just a little while. <laughs> and so if you've got a, a, a bunch of folks huddled up around the ark, then somebody in the back ain't going to be able to see. And guess what? We all need to perceive Jesus. All of us. From the eldest to the youngest, we need to perceive Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the weak link. I don't want to look away from Jesus and get off on the wrong path. Joshua said, perceive him, see the ark, follow the ark, because you've never been this way. And if you want to go the right way, if you want to go God's way, you better be looking to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says it like this. The apostle Paul said, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We just keep looking unto Jesus. Let me tell you something. Don't look at your circumstance, look at Jesus. Don't look at your problem, look at Jesus. Let me, let me say this one. Listen, everybody look. Don't look at your past. You've got one, i got one, everybody's got one. Don't look at your past, look to Jesus. You know what happened to Peter when he took his eyes off Jesus, don't you? Jesus, listen, Jesus was taking him in some places nobody had ever been before. The only two people that I've ever known of that, um, that have ever walked on water is Jesus and Peter. Peter, by faith, at the word of Christ, stepped down out of the boat and walked on his way to the Lord. At the word of Christ. Jesus said, come. Peter, by faith, took the first step and stood up on the water looking at Jesus. And he took another step, still looking at Jesus. And he took another step. Still, I don't know how far he walked. The Bible don't tell us. He took, a long, he took a lot of steps, I believe, looking at Jesus. But then that wave, wind got up and it blew some of that wave right in his face. And he took that, uh, his eyes off Jesus and put it on the storm, on his circumstance, on his problem, on his past. And the Bible says immediately, he went from doing what no man has ever done to doing what all men do. I wish I could tell you I don't sink from time to time, but I do. I wish I could tell you I don't fail God and I don't fail men, but I do. And I ain't proud of it and I don't like it. I get sick of myself sometimes. But I'll say this too. I know if I keep looking unto Jesus, I can do great things by God's power. And you can too, church. But you must perceive him. Let me give you one more. You pursue Christ. You perceive Christ. You've got to prefer Christ. Verse 5 says, Joshua told the people, 
sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourself. What does sanctify mean? To be set apart for God's purpose. Amen? Now, if I'm sanctified and I've been set apart for God's purpose, then it's no longer about my purpose. That means it's no longer about what I want, but what God wants. It's no longer about my plan, but what God's, God has planned. It's no longer about what I want to do, but what he wants me to do. Why? Because now I don't prefer my way. I prefer his way. Why? Because I've been sanctified. Are you getting a hold of that? Because I've been sanctified. Now, now I prefer what he wants. A child of God, if you're going to be pleasing the Lord, you've got to prefer what he wants. You need to prefer what God wants on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You sure to prefer God on Sunday. I get so sick of empty pews. Let me tell you why we got empty pews. People ain't preferring God on Sunday. I mean, the least you can do is prefer God on Sunday. That's not the ceiling, that's the floor. That's the basic thing. That's where you start. Amen? So prefer the Lord. Make, listen to me now, your purpose, his purpose. Joshua tells us how to do it in Joshua chapter 24, and I'm done. Joshua 24, watch this. And starting, um, excuse me, Joshua 14, and starting in verse, no, that ain't right. Joshua, I'll get there in a minute. Yeah, Joshua 24, I was in Judges. Joshua 24, and look down at verse number 14. Joshua says something. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him, watch this, in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil for you, unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Now folks, I think we need to do that. Joshua's really drawing a line in the sand. He said, okay, if you're going to serve the Lord, cross the line. If you ain't, stay over there, but you've got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. Now, let me tell you something, daddies. You got to make a decision. You going to serve Jesus or not? Because you're confusing your children serving Jesus one minute and living in the world the next. Mamas, you going to serve Jesus or not? Wives, you going to serve Jesus or not? Because you're confusing folks. You're confusing your husband when he sees a different woman at home than he sees at church. So we got to make a decision. Who are we going to follow? Who are we going to prefer? Who are we going to serve? And the truth is, I can't make that decision for you and you can't make that decision for me. None of us can. It's individuals. Now you can turn me off. Go to sleep if you choose, but that's all right. I'm giving you truth this morning. What you do with it's up to you. Now, he goes on to say, if it seems evil for you to serve, whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites or whose land you dwell, watch what Joshua says. I can't say what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve Jesus. We're going to serve the Lord. Let me tell you something. I can't speak for you. I can't. And you can't speak for the guy across the aisle and you can't speak for, the, for your neighbor next to you or the one in front of you or behind you. You can't speak for one another. But you need to make a decision today. Who are you going to serve? Joshua said, as the spiritual leader of my home, we're going to serve Jesus. We're going to prefer him. Because we prefer him, because we're passionate about him, he's going to be our first priority. Every decision and choice we make, we're going to make it 
in light of God's truth. Pursue Him. Perceive Him. Prefer Him. And I'll promise you this. God will do great things like He's never done. And He'll take us in places we've never been. Everybody stand together. Maybe today you need to follow Christ for salvation. You need to be saved. You need to trust in Him and be born again. If that's you, well, I got good news. The presence of God is here today. The Spirit of God's here today. The Bible says that nobody can get saved unless the Spirit draws you. Now, if the Spirit's drawing you, don't reject the call of God on your life. Today, trust in Jesus. I want to show you how you do that. I can't save you walking an aisle. Don't save you. This church don't save you. But I tell you this, my Jesus can save you. If he can save me, he can save anybody. So if the Holy Spirit of God is right now showing you your need for Christ, you know that you need to be saved. You need to trust in Jesus. Today's the day. Follow him. Pursue him. Maybe somebody's being called into the ministry. Maybe somebody's being called to preach. Maybe somebody's being called to the mission field. I don't know, but I do know this. God is able. God is able. Trust him. Quit wrestling with it. You're not going to win. You don't believe me? Ask Jacob. (laughs) He wrestled all night with God, but God won. God won. He's going to win. Follow him. Trust him. It's good. It's good. Not always easy, but it's good. It's always good. (laughs) Whatever you need today. Hey, if you're not preferring Christ like you should, you know that there's certain areas in your life that need to be dealt with, need to be put under the blood. Child of God, the same grace that saves you keeps you. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You need to get cleaned up today. Get cleaned up. Get back in the race. Let's get serious with this thing. Need the Lord anyway. You come today. I'd love to pray with you. These altars are always open.